0: I mean, I was on the verge of, of going to Starbucks and saying, Hey, I need a, I need a part time job. And, but there was something in me that said, if you do that, you're giving in somehow. It forced me to work harder, to look for work, to market myself, to send out emails, to make phone calls. You know, I, I just think that sometimes people, they're ready to do their, their dream job, but they're not ready to work to make that happen.
1: This is The Gently Mad, a show where I talk to and pick the brains of the smartest people running creative online businesses. Actually, not so much. If you're looking for that inspirational kick in the pants to help take your life and career to the next level, then this is probably not the place for you. To be perfectly honest, this podcast is about me. Hey, I'm Adam Clark and I'm your host. Thanks for listening. I do talk to people on this show, but instead of that double rainbow of success BS that you'll get in most entrepreneurial shows, we talk about failure, self-doubt, and all the insecurities that we all have that keep us from doing much of anything with our lives. If that sounds like your kind of thing, then head over to avclark.com slash TGM and subscribe. Any actionable advice or helpful tips are simply a byproduct and purely unintentional. What's up my friends? Welcome to The Gently Mad. I'm Adam Clark. This is episode 57 and this is kind of a special episode. It's Music Week on The Gently Mad. Music Week. I had Dan Hasseltine from Jars of Clay on the show on Monday and today I have Nate Curran from Nate Curran. (laughs) He's a musician and recording artist and one of my oldest friends. I think we met when I was like 12 maybe. I don't know exactly the year, uh, the first band I was ever in was, was him and I, we, uh, uh, we had, we had some t-shirts, we had some pretty cool t-shirts and we had some nice album artwork. Unfortunately, we didn't really have any songs, but, uh, later on, well, I'll get into that in just a little bit. How, how's, how's it going? It's Wednesday. Hope you're having a good week so far. A lot of new stuff happening. Um... I'm not going to, well, I've been teasing it for a while now. I've got this new show coming out, a lot of new stuff going on, but I'm feeling kind of excited about it. Despite my relatively good spirits at the moment, I'll be honest with you, it's been a really, really rough period. And I feel like when I started this show, I was in a certain state of mind, being really tired of a lot of the bullshit in the online business space. And that's kind of what this show came out of. And then I kind of worked through some of that. I I talked to a lot of people on this show, people that I've wanted to talk to, and old friends that I've had on the show. And I feel like I've worked through some of that stuff. And it's, you know, mentally things are better. But it's still a really, really rough period. And I feel like maybe I haven't talked about some of that stuff as much. and I guess what I'm getting at is it can be really, really hard to do something you want to do. you know I, the last month, I've been so close sometimes of uh, just going and just getting a job. you know, just uh, like this isn't working, whatever I'm trying to do is not working for whatever reason. and I really need money. And maybe I should just go get a job and and set all this stuff to the side for a while. And it's been a really strong temptation, really strong temptation, because it's difficult. Uh, my, as you as you know, my wife is, is pregnant. We've gone through this series of just the kids being sick and then me being sick and then my wife getting it and then it goes back to the kids and back around and. Any of you who have families know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's been very stressful in terms of money. Thankfully, I've been able to make some money off of this show, which I never expected to happen. But I've been able to do a little of that and support myself somewhat there. But this whole year has just been a complete experiment. You know, I I just wanted to try some new stuff. And so I decided at the end of last year just to try it. And it's worked out for the most part. But that doesn't mean that it hasn't been incredibly stressful. I mean, there's been many times in the last few months where, I mean, just in all honesty, I get down to like 40 bucks in my checking account and bills are due. And I'm like, I have no idea how the hell I'm going to get uh, more money together, pay for this stuff. And for whatever reason, I'm, I'm always able to pull it together and, and get something and make make do and get by and get on to the next month. But those are really, really stressful times. And it, it's very difficult to to just keep doing it month after month and going through that sort of cycle. So, Some of the things I'm working on, the plans that I have are are efforts to get out of that cycle. I mean, that's not freedom. That's not why any of us are doing this stuff, you know, to live in a paycheck to paycheck kind of mode. And many times it just, like I said, gets down to the down to zero practically before more money comes in or something else happens. So I I am feeling pretty good about stuff. I'm excited about some of the stuff that's going to happen But I didn't want to give the impression that this has all just been super easy. Just because it's what I want to do, because this podcast was something that meant something to me and was something I really wanted to do, doesn't mean that it hasn't cost a lot. And I don't mean just in terms of money. It's cost a lot in terms of just uh, stress and and maybe a little bit of mental well-being. But... Despite that, I think it's been worth it. You know, at least I am doing what I want to do. And I'm getting up every morning and choosing how I want to spend my time. I don't know how much longer that's going to last, but it's still what's happening now. And it still seems like what is going to happen for the foreseeable future if things work out. Okay, some of these new plans, this new show I'm working on and some of that kind of stuff. And it's going to be happening soon. I've got some announcements about this show and stuff that I'm going to be talking about next week, but hope you're having a good Wednesday, a good week so far. It's almost the end of April, which means my kids get out of school soon, uh, about a month from now. Looking forward to that. It's gearing up for some fun times, shall we say. So, yeah. Where was I? Nate Curran. Um... He and I have known each other our whole lives, pretty much. So it was, it was it was a different interview. I've never had anyone on the show that I've known for that long and that I have such a history with. So it was an interesting conversation, uh, to say the least. But uh, where, uh, where was that back in the... Yeah, okay, so we had that first band. Nothing really happened. And then Nate went on to do some other stuff. I moved to California. You know, years go by. I moved back to the Southeast, and Nate and I start another band, or I guess I should say I joined his band as a drummer. And we uh, we played for a while. It was a year or two at least, I think. Uh, Did a bunch of touring and stuff like that. That's the band I'm talking about in all these episodes when I've mentioned being in a band before. And it was a lot of fun, but I eventually quit, dropped out, because I uh, had a family and it was just, I didn't really dig the traveling. You know, it was a a tough lifestyle for me. So uh, I I quit and moved on, but Nate stuck with it and recorded some great stuff. Um, His last couple albums have been really some of my favorite albums. And I was excited to get him on the show. And uh, actually, I'm going to do like, I'm going to play like a little clip. I wouldn't I wouldn't want uh, you to listen to this episode and not actually hear any of his music. I'm sure that you can go and look it up afterward. Uh, I will link all this stuff up in the show notes, which will be at abclark.com slash 57. But I'm going to play a little clip from one of my favorite songs of his just to give you a little taste. All right, here we go. shed my tears.
0: Change my way in a country church down by the interstate. I set the bottle down, with the Bible up, and you tore me down. Feel
1: pretty good right i think that was pretty good that's one of my favorite tracks off his newest album you and i are ghosts it's on itunes you can get it pretty much anywhere i encourage you to go check that stuff out so as i said it was a little bit of an interesting interview given that nate and i have such a history together but it was a fun interview and it was fun uh talking with nate in this in this format anyway And uh, Nate's one of those guys who, I mean, he's been self-employed longer than I have. And he's one of those guys who just, you know, always figures out a way to make it work. You know, whether it's uh, web design stuff to pay the bills when music isn't cutting it or, you know, going all in on the music stuff when it is working. You know, he just always figures out a way to make it happen. And I've always admired that, that ability to do that. And we talked a bit about that in this conversation. So I think you're going to like it. It's a little bit different, but I had a fun time doing it. And I know Nate did as well. So we're going to get right to that. I'll be back in just a minute after this brief word from our sponsor. Jilly Matt is sponsored today by Harvest. Harvest is a business tool for time tracking, beautiful invoicing, and generating reports. I've used it for many years myself, and whether you're a freelancer or a large team, Harvest has you covered. I called up Danny Wen, one of the co founders of Harvest, and issued him the 20 word challenge. Give me a uh, Harvest and 20 words or less without any buzzwords or, you know, industry speak, if you will.
0: <laughs> I'll try my best. You
1: know, it's uh, <laughs> it's been a while since I've been doing this, but um, OK, so Harvest uh, at, at its core is a time tracking and invoicing and now time planning application. So uh, we help. um anyone in professional services, uh, people in consulting and design and development, uh, really get a hold of their business, know where their time is going, and also bill for their time and get paid for it. So in a nutshell, that's that's kind of what we do. Cool, except that was like 100 words. So. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, it's been a while, man. That's okay, that's okay. Okay, so maybe Harvest can't be summed up in 20 words, but it's an amazing tool and it's probably the number one thing I could not live without in my business. If I had to cancel any of the handful of monthly services that I use, Harvest would be the last one to go. I love it, I use it almost every single day, and as a designer, it's a delight, an absolute delight to use. So go to getharvest.com and sign up. Your first month is already free and you can get 50% off your second month by using the promo code TGM. Again, that's getharvest.com, and thanks to them for sponsoring The Gently Mad. All right, well, this is it. This is my conversation with one of my oldest friends, Nate Curran, great musician, great designer, just a great guy all around, and I was really happy to finally coordinate this coordinate our schedules and get him on the show so let's get to it here's my conversation with nate curran thing is is like i don't know how we're gonna do this and pretend like we haven't known each other for 25 years almost
0: well i mean i think we can... this is part of
1: it by the way just oh, so okay. you know
0: okay well <laughs> here we go
1: <laughs> uh yeah so this is the first time i've had anyone on the show that i've known my whole life so it's kind of weird like i don't know exactly uh you know, hopefully it's not going to be too, like, inside baseball, you know, inner jokes, whatever. Did I just say baseball? Did I just make a sports reference?
0: Yeah, wh- why did you reference baseball? I don't know. I've known, I... I've known you 25 years, and that's, like, the third time you've ever referenced sports.
1: <laughs> inside baseball is a term, man. You know, like, uh, like, uh, you know.
0: I'm not familiar with that.
1: <laughs> yes, you are. You know that. So, uh, wh- 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 where are you?
0: Right? I'm in Boulder, Colorado, actually.
1: And you're on tour at the moment,
0: yeah on tour I've had uh I had last night and tonight off though so that's been nice and, this uh, this
1: is like music week I had uh Dan hasseltine on Monday and then you today, so it's uh right. yeah, it's kind of like uh, band week I've only done I've only interviewed about four or five musicians for this whole show. I wish I could do more, but um. That's all I've done. Do you have you been to uh, Sputnik Sound, the place where Dan and I recorded the interview, and I guess they've recorded a number of Jars has recorded a number of their albums.
0: I have not been to Sputnik. No.
1: Where was it that you you were recording just a week or two ago in Nashville?
0: Well, I wasn't recording. We were meeting, uh, talking about the new album. Um, the I did I did do some recording with um, a couple of the Jars of Clay guys um in january and we did that at jars of clay's actual studio that they own. um oh,
1: okay yeah the one
0: gray matters they kind of affectionately refer to it as the jar hole but it's over there um kind it, of, uh, south of the dan
1: fashion. dan called it the the um brown recluse refuge so
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's a pretty cool spot though yeah it's a, it's a neat little studio
1: yeah, so this is like, I mean, for, for people listening, like I said, I, I've never had someone on the show that I've known my whole life. And we've actually toured together in the past. And so, um, uh, and we have similar backgrounds in terms of doing, you know, being self employed and doing web work and, and kind of pursuing other things on the side. So you're, you're doing, you know, freelance client web stuff sort of as the day job to fund the music stuff, right?
0: Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, man, you you probably never had anyone on the show that you've had so much in common with. <laughs> and literally, you could have just interviewed yourself today, and it would have been probably pretty close. To-
1: <laughs> I mean, pretty much, yeah. I mean, I don't even remember when. I I think we met when I was, like, 12. So it's it's yeah. definitely... It's been a lot So, yeah, it's, it's weird. I don't know. I, I don't know exactly, you know, never done this before in this uh, situation. But um, but anyway, so you're a musician and, you know, you've released a number of albums. Some of them I was involved with. Most of them you've just done on your own. But, uh, you know, you've been doing it for a long time now. I mean, it's been... like 10 years I think the music stuff
0: almost 10 years yeah
1: yeah so and some of those albums were Kickstarter funded most of them you just kind of paid for yourself and so I I guess I'm curious I don't know like uh, we we talk regularly anyway but uh, what do you consider yourself you know when people ask you what you do uh, is it musician stuff or is it Uh, business web stuff
0: well you know that's and that's that's a good question and an interesting question because i do i you know i get asked that all the time and i i usually um lead with i'm a musician because i think um i make money doing both and i'm passionate and enjoy doing both um but i would say music is my number one passion and it's my um, you know, well, I just put it this way: if the dream musician job opened up today, and the dream design job, and I had to choose between one or the other, I would go the music route. Yeah. So that's sort of
1: what would you know, the dream music job, as you just said, even though it probably wouldn't be a job. But what would the right. dream music music situation look like?
0: Well, you know, and I am that's so hard to it's so hard to quantify because I I feel like I'm doing it already on just on a you know on a on a smaller scale. You know, I'm I'm touring, I'm on tour right now, I'm playing three or four nights a week, sometimes more than that. Um I'm getting to see the you know see the country. I, I hiked into the Rocky Mountains today earlier, took some amazing photos. Um tomorrow night I'll play in Colorado Springs and then in Denver this weekend. Like, it's just a, I can't complain. Like, I mean, I'm doing, I'm doing what I love and I'm doing what what I dreamed about doing 10 years ago. I'm doing it now. But I guess even on a larger scale, you know, if, if the opportunity opened up to, to tour with an even larger act, someone that I respect and do a 30 or 40 city tour, um, or, you know, play some, some of the giant festivals that I've always envisioned of, you know being on a stage at you know like a, a Bonnaroo or a Lollapalooza or something right um you know those types of things you know if those opportunities opened up if if Adam Duritz called me tomorrow from Counting Crows and said hey dude we want you to tour with us for for two straight months i i would quickly drop anything else in my life and hop <laughs> on that tour you know
1: well yeah so, yeah but, I mean, like I said, it's, it's you know, and this is the last time I'll say it. I, I feel like I don't want to qualify every everything we say, but, you know, um, you and I know each other pretty well. So, uh, but still, that given the case, or that being the case, um, you know, what would, you know, I, I know that it's not going perfectly necessarily the way you would like it to go so i mean like what would it be what what would be different about it if you could just sort of you know magic wand uh it, it is what you want it to be
0: well you know i think you know i think the biggest thing i think the the thing that comes to mind first and foremost is um the opportunity to be exposed to more people. Like right now, you know, I would say my average show, you know, night in and night out in a, in a random city, i probably play for 50 to 60 people. Yeah. Um, you know, some nights it's 30, some nights it's a hundred or 150 or occasionally two or three or 400, but usually, you know, it's probably in that 50, 60, 75 person or small venues. Um, if I had the opportunity to play for 500 people a night rather than 50 people a night, um, that would be one of the, I, I think, one of the most giant steps I could possibly take at this point. Because as you know, I mean, you know, you, it, that doesn't seem huge, but when you multiply that by 100 shows a year, yeah. you know, that's, you know, that's 100 times a 100, you know. That, yeah, That's a totally. lot more people. Yeah.
1: Well, but I mean, so having more people like what what is that? I guess sort of what's what's the um, end game there? Is it just that more people means that you could make enough money from the music stuff to do that full time? Or is it part of just being... I don't want to say just being famous, but at the same time, like I know what it's like. I mean, we played shows together. I know what it's like to step out on stage to a packed house and play an hour and a half set. And there there is definitely um you know, I've said it in a lot of shows. It's it's a feeling. It's almost like a drug, you know. It's it's definitely a feeling yeah. unlike anything else. And so um I don't know, is, is the goal to just, you know, if you had more people, then you could, you could live off of it, um, or is it something else?
0: No, you know, I, I mean, I'm making a decent living now, e- even just the music stuff, um, and like I said, I mean, we've had this conversation before, and I've told a lot of people this, I don't think no matter how large music, you know, the career got, as it were, I would ever stop doing design work completely. Um, I just, I love it too much. You know, I enjoy what I do. Um, but on the, on the, on the flip side of that, um, I guess it's not the, it's not the, it's not the fame and it's not the, it is nice to go out on a stage and, uh, you know, it'd be a packed house. And like you said, there is something about that. It's almost like a drug, um. But it's not that, you know, it's whether it's playing for 10 people or a thousand people. Um, there's a beauty in connecting with those people. And some nights you might play for a thousand people and you only connect with 10 people. Um, yeah. you know, and another night you might play for 10 people, connect with all 10 people. And so you've, you've accomplished the same thing no matter the amount of people. I guess my thing is when I talk about numbers of people, I don't talk, numbers for the sheer sake of numbers, I'm talking numbers as in people that I am directly interacting with, that my music is, is connecting with, if that makes sense. And so I I think by having larger numbers, the opportunity for more and more of those people to be truly connected and for me to uh, play a part in their life as it were, um, is what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, it's not winning awards or getting interviewed in a certain magazine or selling a million records. For me, it's truly watching people connect with a song and a story and then hearing later from them that, wow, that really touched me. Um, and seeing that my, my music has touched their life in a small way. That is the, that is yeah. the reward for me. And that's what I enjoy. I
1: mean, I- I definitely get that because, like, I get emails from people who listen to the show, and 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 they tell me how much it means to them, and 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 all that. And you know, I hate to put it so cynically, and I, I but you know, I've mentioned this in other interviews. But sometimes it's like that's great. I'm glad that people are enjoying this thing that I've made, and it seems to be affecting them in a positive way. But in some respects, it still just comes down to uh, money. You know, and having the means to to continue doing something that doesn't make you a lot of money, and I don't think a lot of people know that about um, musicians. I mean, you've got a handful of albums out, and you know, I think people just assume, maybe not, but I would tend to think people assume, you know, you've got legit, real albums out that you know that means that you're making money, and not at all. I mean, like. You know most you know for you, especially you know a lot of the time you know the um you you barely recoup you know selling albums barely recoups the cost of making them you know if if at all you know right. so right. it's kind of like I don't know, I'm just curious what I don't know i'm thirty five and you're you're a couple of years older than me, so it's like what what keeps what, what keeps you doing it just year after year. And it's just a ton of work and just like a ton of hard work when, you know, um, years go by and and you're still not able to make a full time sort of income from it. Or maybe that's not the point. I don't know. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's not the point. Um, I mean, truth be told last year, 2014 was the first year that I made enough from music to support myself full time for a year. Like I made a full, it, it, it wasn't glamorous by any means. Um, and it wasn't like I was raking in the dough, but 2014 I could have supported myself and lived off everything I made from music. Yeah. Um, that was the first year after eight, eight or nine years of doing music. Yeah. Um, however, if Someone told me tomorrow that I would never make another dom that I had to go play shows for free and I had to give away albums and I would not make any money from music. Um, obviously I would have to scale back because I would have to do other work to live, but I would not stop playing music. I would continue to play shows. Um, because money is not the point money is money is a necessary evil. I think in my mind, um, but it's not it's not the end game. I'm not in this for the money by any I don't I don't know that very few musicians are are in it for the money really. Um unless Yeah, but scale. I I but. Yeah,
1: I've always wondered that though. Like seriously though, if you knew that it was never going to take off to the point where you could I mean, most people, when they start a side business or go work for themselves or whatever, I mean, that's obviously the goal is that this can provide a living for them and it's not just a side project, but, you know, if it, if it, let's just say it always was, like you said, it was always going to be a side project. It was never going to make enough money for you to quit doing other things and just be able to do this. You're saying that you would still do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I think, I think, I think I've told you this story before, but but for the sake of the listeners, uh like last summer, you know, I was in Atlanta. Um, I had a couple weeks off. I was hanging out with some friends. We were at a bar playing some pool, and a girl walked in that I did not know, walked over to me, and began to cry, asking me if I was Nate Curran, and I said. Yes. And, and she started crying and started sharing with me all this stuff in her life. Her uncle had just died. Her boyfriend broke up with her. And she looked at me and she said, your music is the only thing that's gotten me through the last few weeks of my life. Yeah. And she, before she turned around and walked away, she said, please don't ever stop doing what you're doing because you're changing people. And she turned around and walked away. And it's those little things like that that keep me yeah. doing what I'm doing because I love that. I love the fact that people, whether in good times or bad times or what they're they go to my music as a place maybe of refuge or support, um, and the lyrics minister to them in some way, and so that's that is why I do what I do that's one reason, another reason is that I just simply love playing music, yeah, I mean, and that's you know if it were nothing else, it would just be a big hobby, you know, and it's nice that you've got something that you're passionate about that you can get paid for it all I mean, yeah that's,
1: uh, i mean do you ever get burned out with it though because i mean i mean oh, I, again sure. i feel the same way like i i you know i've had people come up to me at conferences and you know tell me similar types of of stories and and stuff like that um but i don't know maybe it's just the phase i'm in after like almost 60 episodes of this show in in three months um where it just feels kind of like um it's just so much work. It is just so much freaking work and and I do really I really am happy that it's affecting people the way it is, but at the same time sometimes it just feels like um it's not going anywhere. You know what yeah. I mean?
0: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think whether it's music or podcasting or anything, you have to there are times when we all have to step away from what we're doing and recharge. Um you know, cause it's easy to get burned out on anything if you're doing it 24 seven, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I so I, for me, yeah, I do start to get burned out sometimes, but that's when I have to take a step back and, and say, you know what, I'm going to take a couple of weeks off or a couple of months off and, and not play and tour or, you know, whatever it may be and just sort of recharge my batteries and maybe focus on something else and rest and, and so, um, yeah. You know, but I think, you you know this, even if I was doing anything else, I'd have to do, you know, I'd have to do the same thing. You you need a break, you know, yeah. especially, especially when you go as hard as you and I go, because we're, you know, it's not like just a nine to five job. It's like we are, we are working our butts off from the time we wake up in the morning until the time we go to bed at night to, to, to really put out. A product that is, you know, not just, it doesn't just get by. It's amazing. I mean, that's what I strive for my music. That's what you strive for your podcast. And so we put everything into it constantly. And when you, when you go like that, when you live like that, you have to take a break, you have to step back sometimes and say, Hey, I need a break. I need some rest.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, so why do you say, though, that you would... Ne- I mean, it's interesting with you because both of your things, your day job and the side thing, are still both self-employed things. I think a lot of people, like, the day job is, is like an actual job, and the side thing is something they hope will will replace that job. But your your main source of income is still being self-employed. So it's, it's a little bit different, but... Um, you know, why do you say that you would never want to give up, give that up? You know, I mean, is there something about doing web work, you know, creative or just client work that you're really attached to? Um, Yeah.
0: You know, I could, I could foresee at some point, certainly giving up the whole dealing with clients and, you know, taking phone calls and all that kind of stuff. But as far as like, giving up design as a whole even if it was just for myself you know even if it was just designing posters for my music or t-shirts or my album covers or whatever it is like I just I don't think I would ever come to a point where I would completely give up all design like because I just it's another passion of mine you know Um,
1: but you would give up the client work though part of it
0: yeah I think I think I could I think I could get by without that yeah. At least for the most part, you know.
1: So what makes it where you, you know, have you ever, I don't know, it's like sometimes in my head I think, okay, by by a certain date, if this thing isn't panning out, if it's not doing what I want it to do, then I'll have to figure something else out. You know, um, have you ever thought that way with, with either of these things or are you just okay with you know uh, the balance that it is you know that you make some money from being a musician it's not quite enough to live on full time and you supplement that with other things and that's okay and you're okay with it being that way
0: yeah and i'm fine with that you know i don't mind the balance and i go through you know i go through phases where i'm touring a bunch and really focusing on music and that's making more money and i'm hardly doing any design work and then I'll take a couple months off where I'm really looking for design projects and I'm I'm trying to do more design work and I'm not really doing much music stuff. So um, it certainly is, you know, cyclical in a way. Um, but as far as going back to your question about the, um, you know, putting a, a, a deadline or a time frame on things, You know, I did that in the early days, you know, and and when we talk about me doing music for 10 years, I've been doing music apart from a day job, quote unquote, for um, about almost eight years. So for the first couple of years, you know, I was working at an agency in the Atlanta area and trying to do music just as more or less a weekend thing. Um, But then after I left the agency and really started pursuing music, you know, harder and harder, which was in, I guess, kind of spring, summer of 07. Uh, since then, you know, the, I think the first year or two, I kind of did put a timeline on it and said, well, if, if by two years or three years or five years from now, I'm not doing this or haven't done that, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit or I'm going to go back to working a day job. I sort of figured out fast that life's not fun to live that way. Like it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of dumb. I don't know. I guess I kind of, I, uh, I feel like if you do that, you sort of override some of the happiness of doing what you love to do. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it's just uh, since that time, it's more or less been more about having fun. Granted, I know you have to make money. And so one way or another, I have to make some money, but, um, you know, I've I've set goals, but they've been more, I would say more and more, they've been realistic goals and not, you know, when I first started, it was, I want to, you know, I want to be famous. I want to, I want to play on TV. You know, I want to do this. I yeah. want to, I want to win a Grammy. I want to win. I want to do all these things. Unrealistic goals for someone who's just quit their job to do music, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Now my goals from day to day, month to month, year to year goals, like I want to put out this new album, you know, I want to sell a thousand copies of it. I want to sell 5,000 copies of it. I yeah. want to, you know, I want to reach out to this musician and, and potentially open for them. And, and then I have, you know, um, so things that are, things that are a lot more realistic from month to month. Um, and see, it's nice to set big goals as well, obviously, but, um, But I think if you, if you focus on the the intermediate goals and not the giant goal, um, you, you tend to, you know, you, you see fulfillment in the short term, um, you know, every month or six months or whatever, you know, you're seeing things come, come to fruition that you've, that has been a goal. And so it keeps you pressing on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not like you've set some lifetime goal and every year that goes by, you just get more and more defeated because you don't feel like you're meeting that, you know, that expectation. So, um, yeah, I think it's important to start to have big goals, but also to really set small goals as well that you can really see, you know, that you can yeah. measure out in steps. Um, I think that's no matter what you do, I think that's super important.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you said last, I don't know, like how much money specifically, but like last year you made enough where you you could potentially live full time off of it. I mean, what keeps you from just, I don't know, going all in? Maybe you have gone gone all in and there's nothing you would do differently. Do you feel like you have or do you feel like if you were to just, uh, quote, go all in, that it would look different than what you're doing now?
0: No, I don't. You know, I feel like I have gone all in. I feel like the fact that I, I quit my job, my, my, you know, agency job, I've given up a place to live. Um, As you know, I've been traveling in an RV for the last couple of years. Um, I pretty much take anything I can get musically, you know, Um, like I said, I'll play for 10 people or 10,000 people. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter as long as, as long as those people are there to listen And it's, it's an opportunity. Um, You know, I, I just love to interact with people. And so I don't feel like I have, I don't feel like I'm holding back in any way. I feel like I am, I'm giving it my all at the same time, you know, even giving it your all musically, you have downtime, you know, you have, you have your day in the hotel room or the RV before the show that night. So why not take on some design projects and make a little extra money and, do the other thing you love, you know? So, um, that's kind of what I'm doing at the moment. Um, and it's, I think it's, it's worked out pretty well the last few years. Um,
1: well, I think that's why you have to love like the process of it, or I don't know, you have to at least, I don't know, for me, the hard part is figuring out what I really love doing because i don't know honestly i really don't know the answer to that question you know i can love a lot of things for a period of time but after a period of time passes then it gets old just like anything else does and um and and you know i've never found that thing like maybe music is for you where it just never gets old or maybe that's not what you're saying i mean does it ever get old
0: no it does get old well Well, certain parts of it get old. I think that's what's so interesting about music is music is a – it's a multi-layered cake. You know, it's – music is partly touring. It's partly recording. It's partly writing. It's partly rehearsal. It's partly networking and business and marketing. I mean, there's so many facets to it to where, you know – Let's say I'm getting burned out on the touring part, and so I decide to take a couple of months off from touring. There are still so many other components to music that it's not just about the touring. Yeah. Um, I might take a couple of months off from touring, but spend every day of those two or three months writing new music. Yeah. Um, or I might get burned out from writing for a while, so I just sort of stop writing, but I spend every day for the next couple of weeks just shooting out emails and networking with other musicians and going to functions and maybe going to concerts and watching other musicians perform and using that to kind of tweak my own performance or, you know, I mean, there's so many ways and yeah, I feel like a lot of things are like that, you know, so it's, it might be easy to get burned out on one facet of what you're doing. So take a break from that and focus on another facet of what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, Don't sort of give up on the whole thing altogether, you know? Um, So, I mean, I think that for me, definitely, I don't enjoy being in the studio. A lot of musicians really enjoy that part. Yeah. They enjoy making new albums. I enjoy the finished product. I enjoy when the album comes out. Yeah. But I I don't love being in the studio recording. But that's a means to an end. And you you have to do it. And so I do it. And I enjoy parts of it. You know, and like I said, I enjoy the, the final product. But I'd much rather be out on the road playing um, or certainly sitting in my RV writing music um, than in the studio, but you have to embrace all those components. It's not whether you're a, a designer or a podcaster or a musician or a developer or whatever you are, it's not all about 100% enjoying every single moment in some super happy, sad way. Yes yeah. um, it's having a passion for the thing that you're doing overall, but meeting the the down and dirty and the nitty- gritty with the same enthusiasm that you meet the part that you really enjoy, knowing that it's all a means to an end that you're pushing yourself toward whatever your your goals are, whatever those things are that you value yeah. on. so
1: what well, what do you think would make you feel? I want to say successful. I'm not quite sure if that's the right word, but like, you know, you said before about the the dream music, you know, opportunity or design opportunity. Like, do you already feel like, you know, if it all ended today that you've done what you wanted to do or, or what do you think would have to happen before you felt like, before you felt like that? Like, you know, I've done what I wanted to do. I've accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. And everything from this point on is just, you know, a a plus.
0: Well, you know, I think you have to look at it two different ways. I think number one, you have to look at it from the side of the coin that says I'm content because I feel like if you're discontent and what I mean by that is not discontent with where you're going or, or your goals, things like that. I mean, obviously we all still want to push on, But if you're discontent, if you're not happy, um, I think you, you're setting yourself up for failure. Um, and so for me, I have to be content. That's, that's, that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is I want to be passionate and I want to push myself as hard as I can every day of my life, knowing that I've only got a finite number of days. And I'm only going to be here a certain amount of time and I don't want to waste any of that time. Yeah. And so, so the thing is for me, I feel like, I feel like on one side of the coin, that if it all ended today, that I am super content, super happy, super successful, and that's how I feel. Yet on the other side of that coin, if it goes for another 50 years, i'm never going to be content with where it's at because i want to push myself to the limits to see how much i can achieve um and so i don't i don't know if that makes sense but it's like
1: yeah no it does
0: it's the being grateful versus also being passionate yeah and so um you know i'm certainly so grateful for all the opportunities i've had the success i've had and i legitimately feel like i've been a success like i mean you know, I've never won a Grammy. I've never sold a million albums. I've never done any of these huge things, but I've changed people's lives. I've seen it. I've, I've had dozens and dozens and dozens of people come up to me with tears in their eyes, send letters, send emails, you know, buy albums. I know that I've changed people. I know my music has influenced people in a positive way. And that's a success. I mean it doesn't matter what anyone else says. I know that that is yeah. you know, that's success at the end of the day. Um and if you're looking at success just in terms of numbers, even numbers, I mean I won't go into the exact numbers, but I've played, you know, I've played over 500 shows the last 8 years. I've I've toured over a million miles. I've sold thousands and thousands of albums. I am there's there there are hundreds and thousands of independent musicians that would give anything to be in the spot where I'm in right now. Yeah, and, no,
1: I'm and that's that's interesting you know, because I get that and I'm in the same I feel like I'm in the same place with the stuff that I'm doing that, you know, things, you know, have happened, you know, to me that a lot of people would be really really excited to happen but Yeah. I don't know, so, something about it is still I don't know how to explain it. Like it's, um, it's it's still not enough somehow. You're
0: right. It's not enough. I think it has to be enough in terms of being content. If it ended today, as far as being grateful, like I'm grateful and I'm thankful, but I'm not going to let that gratitude. Allow me to sit back on my butt and not do anything else because I've got goals and passions and, you know, benchmarks and things that I'm shooting toward that I'm never going to stop. I mean it's it's yeah. It would take an act of God, you know, um for me for me to stop pursuing these these dreams, these goals. So um I think you know, I I think there just has to be a balance between being grateful and yet still looking ahead down the road and being passionate and pursuing yeah. those those goals and dreams.
1: Well, so, I mean, the whole, the the music stuff, like I said, even though both of your careers are kind of, are self-employed careers, like the music one is the one that, you know, is the one that you're more, um, I don't know, I guess, artistically tied to, um, when did you, I mean, did you know at a certain point that it was like, you know, music is the thing I want to write music, I want to record albums, I want to tour, you know, because like I said, we've known each other pretty much our whole lives, and through most of our teen years, neither of us were doing this stuff. Uh, and you know, that first band that we we started, like when we were twenty or something, that didn't end up going anywhere. And then later, you you started something on your own, which is what you've been doing the last ten years. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Was there an experience or or something where where you felt like this is what I want to do because. Uh, that's where I always get hung up. Like, I I just feel like I never, I don't know. And maybe I just haven't found it yet, but I've never had that experience where it's like, this is it. This is definitely the thing for the next, you know, 30 or 50 years or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, I think everyone's different though. You know, I, I think some people, they have that, that aha moment, like where they get an epiphany and they see the light and they, um, they know that this is what they're meant to be and meant to do, and they never look back. And it's it's that way for the rest of their life. And then I think other people, it's sort of a process. It's a it takes time, and it's it's little steps, little by little. And I think for me, musically, it was the latter of those two, because um, like you said, you know, I grew up playing piano. You grew up playing instruments, piano and um, trumpet and, and and various things, and so. We grew up playing music we tried to, we started that little band and we, you know, we were like 1920, 21, it didn't go anywhere. And then I started another band, actually two bands in college, two different colleges and neither one of those went anywhere. Um, And then, uh, then I go into, into design and I'm working as an art director and I start writing music again. And you remember you came back from California that, that one year and we laid down some tracks and, um, I was just starting to write again and sort of find that groove. And I didn't know where it would go. Honestly, at first, I didn't think I'd ever like do music professionally. I thought that was, it was sort of going to be a little hobby. Yeah. Um, and I envisioned working at a design firm the rest of my life, but there came a, there came a point where it was like, um, I don't know, it was small steps. Like I'll never forget I played my first show out as a solo musician, as a singer songwriter, and it was at a Borders bookstore in Atlanta. And I walked away from that show that night going, I've got to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like I there was something, like it wasn't very big. I mean, there were probably like 30, all my friends came out, but there were probably like 30 or 35 people there to see me that sat there and listened to my stories and listened to my songs and um but I walked away from that with like this high like yeah. going, I've got I got to keep doing this like this is this is what I love this is my new passion and so well, what always, made you feel that way though I don't know you know it was kind of a combination of presenting my you know I've always been an artist in one way you know or another you know whether it's presenting fine art, you know, paintings or doing yeah. design, graphic design or music. And so, you know, I presented my work to people before as in my design work, but there was something about performing music and looking at it and watching people's eyes and realize that and my, you know, my music back then, it, it sucked most of it. <laughs> I mean, it was, that was the stuff, you know, I was writing that, most of it was super emotional and, but I don't know. There was something about the way that it connected with people. Like I, I just loved that connection. Um, and so that drove me to just keep doing what I was doing. I was still working at the agency and I, and I did for another year or longer. Um, but I booked another show and then another show and then I kept writing. And, uh, and i don't know if you had told me then 10 years ago how much crap i would have to go through to get to where i'm at right now i probably would not have stuck with it
1: yeah
0: um but the good has overcome the bad um you know there's been there's been more highs than there have been lows and so um well what would you say
1: are um, maybe not necessarily some of, yeah, well, yeah. What would you say are some of the lows, like the, the things that make you, what at the time made you think, I'm not sure if this is worth, you know, worth what it's costing.
0: Well, you know, there are some, some of the lows in the beginning are lows that I still, I still have to endure now. I mean, the lows of going into a venue in, a, in maybe a new city and having high expectations and five people show up. Yeah. You know, or the lows of having a negative review written about an album or about a performance. Um, I don't take those things very well. You know, I'm a, I'm an artist. I'm, I'm melancholy at heart. Um, and so when someone writes a, I feel like I've gotten better over the years. Like in the beginning, you know, I remember this review being written about one of our shows. The first year I started playing and I had a band with me, I had some buddies playing and, this review was written and it was, it was horrible. I mean, it tore us apart (laughs) and I was so depressed. I mean, for a week or two weeks, like I was so down and who cares? It was just one person's opinion. Yeah. Um, and, And the fact is we probably did suck. It probably was, it probably was terrible, but you can't let those things get you down. I mean, those, and those are the lows. Those are the, you know, and 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 I still have them, you know. Expectations are a, a funny thing. Sometimes they're met, and sometimes the, you know they go above and beyond what you think they're going to be. And then other times, expectations are just not met, and that's going to happen in life, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. And it's easy when you don't have your expectations fulfilled in anything to get under the cloud and get depressed. And um, yeah. Well, so, how, how
1: do you get out of that, though? You know, I find myself getting into that and it just it's hard to get out of. But so well, what what makes you just um, what makes you keep and, and maybe it is just that you have found the thing for you, the thing that you really love to do. And as you said, you'll just keep doing it, whether or not it ever makes you um, enough money to do full time or not. But um. If that's, if that's not it, well, what is it that keeps you, uh, keep working at it when, you know, years go by and, uh, like, like we said before, you know, nothing seems to be, you know, happening.
0: Well, you know, and, and that's the thing I, I, there's never been a point like an extended period of time where I felt like nothing was happening. Yeah. There, there have been small periods of time where f- I felt stagnant, like I was sort of hadn't moved or maybe a, something low would happen. But then it's always like within a few days or a week or two at the most, something good will happen. That sort of changes my whole perspective. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's learning not to focus on those, on that negative, at least in the small, in the short term, like, because bad things are going to happen. Yeah. Um. You know, you're going to have a bad night or a bad day, but don't let that bad day turn into a bad week. You know, or right. don't let that bad week turn into a bad month. You know, l- keep keep the the dark times short and keep the happy times long. Um. You know, so, so for me, like if I if I have a bad show, um, where maybe I didn't perform well. Or we didn't have a great turnout. Not a lot of tickets were sold or whatever. My therapy for that is to get to the next show as quick as possible and play it. Yeah. Because the next night we might have a great crowd. And the next night I'm going to determine to completely outperform myself from the night before. And so I think the therapy for for a bad, you know, a bad experience or a bad review or, you know, a bad night is to push yourself to the next, the next one that much quicker. Yeah. Determine, Hey, I'm going to overcome last night's going to be a distant memory, you know, tonight's be, it's going to be a hundred times better. Um, Yeah. So at least for me, that's worked, especially in the music, you know, in in the, you know, in the music arena. So what do you
1: do uh, do you ever reach a point where you feel like you just don't have anything to say anymore you know like maybe you said it and it's you know it's done um or or maybe I don't know maybe people call that writer's block I don't know what it's called but you know do you ever run into that or do you just you know you've always got something
0: you know I, I know people I know a lot of people struggle with that that's something that I've never really struggled with very much like it, and, and maybe it's because a lot of what I have to say is garbage, but <laughs> I, I, I do run into writer's block from a, um, a melody perspective where I feel like everything that I'm writing musically is sounding the same or i sort of am hitting a dead end. But lyrically, I've never really run into that. Like I feel like I always have got a hundred things um, thematically that I want to write about yeah um well so so how
1: how do you how do you maintain it all do you have like i don't know if you're i I, well i know that you're not a big morning person like i am but do you have any particular routines or any particular things that that uh that you would credit as you know what helps you do what you do well you know
0: for me i think A lot of people ask me, it seems like everywhere I go to play, people ask me, they're like, um, do you have any pre-show rituals or pre-show routines Hmm. to get ready for your performance? And my answer has always been, my pre-show ritual is to not have any rituals. And I guess what I mean by that is I don't like doing anything the same. As far as preparing for a show or writing or anything like that, because I feel like if I if I do that and I set like a, a groove or I set a routine and then for some reason I'm not able to meet that, whether before a show or or in a writing process or whatever, um, yeah. it would affect me more mentally, uh, the lack of it. And so I've just always mixed things up like I'll. Yeah. One night I might sit in a room by myself 30 minutes before I go on stage to play. And the next night I'm going, I'm taking a walk down the block and I'm walking a couple blocks in the moment. And the next night I'm out interacting with people right into the moment I step on stage. So I'm never, I'm never doing the same thing because I don't want to create, I don't want to create superstition in my mind. You know? Um, Yeah. I just want to, I know what I need to do. I know I need to be passionate about doing it and so i just want to get up and do it and that's the
1: yeah well i was gonna say what what is it that music gives you like i I don't know this is i always try to get into with people stuff related to meaning and purpose and and happiness and and stuff like that because i think those things are just so elusive a lot of the time but uh what is it that you think that music gives you that nothing else does like i i don't know maybe i was gonna say maybe you wake up tomorrow and you're paralyzed which that would be terrible but um you know (laughs) what you know if you couldn't do music anymore i mean do you think you could find some other creative outlet and you'd be fine or uh, you know i don't really know what i'm asking i I guess i'm just trying to figure out like you know, what is it about this that, because, you know, we were together in a band for, I don't remember how long it was, what was it, two years at, at the most, I think, but... Um,
0: well, it was two different stints.
1: Yeah, but it it was just, um, for me, like, I love performing on stage, but I didn't like anything else about it, really. Definitely hated the traveling, you know, didn't really uh, like much, except for the performing stage. And that's just because that's the fun part. But, um, um, I don't know. Yeah. What, what is it? What do, do you get some sort of sense of meaning or purpose out of, out of writing and recording albums and, and, and touring? Or, or do you think you could get that from if you couldn't do music anymore, maybe you just focus on painting and you could get that from that. Does, does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does. I, you know, and I guess the short answer is, I don't know. Um, but I like to think that I probably could find another creative outlet that would be similar. Um, I do paint, I do cook, I do design work. I mean, I do a lot of creative things. Um, but none of them give me the same the same results that writing and performing music does.: Yeah. Um, you know, none of those things, you don't step out on a stage and look people in the eye and watch people's faces cooking or painting or doing graphic design. Yeah. Um, you do that with music. You, you also, you don't, you don't write your feelings down every day. I mean, I, I tell people writing music for me is it's like a journal. It's like, it's my therapy. You know, it's, yeah. it's people that, that keep a diary or a journal, for just themselves to read or maybe people one day when they die, that's sort of what I do with music, except I do it for the whole world to to read and to hear. Um, and that's my therapy. Somehow that's how I, that's how I cope with the day to day. Yeah. Um, so if I lost that, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that anything else would be, it would be the same. Um,
1: what part of it do you like the most? You know, it sounds like you definitely like the the performing part, like I said, because that's where you see other people and, and kind of get to uh, experience their reactions to what you've made. But um, yeah, just out of all of it, you know, is that the part you like the most, you think?
0: Uh, you know, I think the part I like the most, and it probably varies from day to day, because um, I go through... I go through phases. I go through phases where I'm really super excited about touring and getting on stage every night. And then I go through other phases where I'm just like, I just don't feel like playing. Like, I just don't even want to walk out there. Yeah. And I have to force myself to do it. Um, but it's like that with anything. Um, but I, you know, I think my absolute favorite part is writing. I mean, that's my, that's my number one. That's my true love is picking up a pen or a pencil and writing words and coming up with a melody and just working through that process. There's something so therapeutic about that um, that that would be my favorite thing. But but I think closely followed by performing, um, playing yeah. for people, sharing stories, sharing the stories behind the songs, You know, watching people laugh, watching people cry. Um, you get an emotional high off that and uh yeah totally but like i said my least favorite thing i think would be studio work like i just i find being in the studio incredibly boring for the most part now
1: you talk about just being in the studio or just recording in general
0: well both uh recording rehearsals anything where you're just sort of going through the motions of preparing for something else like a rehearsal is a and you need it to get better. You need it to prepare for your live show. But there's something so fake and artificial about a rehearsal. Or yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just. Some no, people I know what you it. mean. They yeah. love it. It's some people loving in the studio and recording new songs in the production and the engineering and all that. And I just, I sort of sit there and just space out half the time and stare at the wall. Yeah. I'm like, I can't wait to get back on stage and. And look at real people. And so, um, yeah, yeah. well, how
1: do you, pr- I mean, one thing, um, an earlier episode I had with Seth Godin and he was talking about practicing and I'd never really thought about, you know, with music or, you know, being a drummer or whatever, you know, practice is part of it. But, you know, um, how do you intentionally, Get better, you know, which is kind of the same thing as asking how you practice. But how do you practice things that aren't, you know, strictly related to? Okay, I'm, I'm I'm gonna work on vocals or guitar or whatever. You know, I mean, how how do you how do you like? Is there anything you do that you that you would consider, you know, um, just like going to the gym? You know, this is stuff that you do and yeah. you have to do it to, to continue getting better.
0: Well, you know, for me, like a couple of years ago, I signed up for opera lessons um, and, and I did, I did voice vocal lessons for like maybe, maybe 10 months to a year. And it was all focusing on more of the opera singing side of things. Mm-hmm. And it was just to help strengthen my voice, learn breathing exercises Um, I think it really helped me, Um, but it's something that I wasn't super excited about doing, but I did it because I felt like I needed it. But even then, it's easy to get out on stage and forget every single thing you've been taught. You You could sit in lessons for a year and walk out and play your first show, and nerves would overtake your memory, would overtake everything, and you could completely butcher your performance. And so I find that there's no better way to practice or to get better for a live show than by playing a live show. Yeah. And so for me, I look at every performance as not just a performance for that night and for that crowd, but it's a chance to get better for the next night. Yeah. The next week or or next year's tour. Um, Every time I get a chance to play live and play in front of people, I am preparing myself and I am rehearsing um, and getting better. I mean, that's, you can't help, but get better when you play in front of a live crowd. Um, And so I think, at least for me, at least musically, um, that's sort of the best thing you can do. Yeah. uh, You know, to tweak and, and, and better your performance is just perform.
1: Well, one thing I'm curious about is like, you know, for a lot of people, Listening, I think, and myself included at various stages, it's, you know, whatever the thing is that you want to do. um, First of all, it never seems like there's a right time to do it. But, you know, how do you how do you get from, you know, having a job and doing something that maybe you're not really excited about to actually doing the thing you want to do? And make a living from it, and I know, like the whole point, like you've been talking about, is like you're still not making. I mean, you're making money for sure, but if you were to just do that, it'd be really tight. So um, it's it's not even like you necessarily have reached a point where you could let everything else go. But um, but I don't know. What are what are what are those first steps that you took? You know to to start doing what you want to do and see if it, if it could work?
0: Well, the first thing that comes to mind, I think the first thing anybody has to do, um, whether it's music related or business, you know, you know, marketing, whatever it is in in business, um, is you have to be willing to take some risk. I mean, that's, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, I walked in one day and I quit my job at the yeah. agency, making good money with a house payment and a car payment and, and credit card debt and, you know, a host of other things. Um, it was a big risk for me to just go in and quit and just say, Hey, I'm going to try to do music full time. Um, now, granted, I had spent months a couple of months preparing for that day. Yeah. Um, you know, I had, I had gathered a couple of design clients. I had saved a little bit of money um, I had booked some gigs in advance. You know, it wasn't like one day I just up and decided and that afternoon I walked in and said, screw everything, you know. I'm yeah. Du- you know, you have you have to make preparation, but but I think people you can't be afraid to take a risk. Um yeah, because the risk takers are the ones in the ends that the ones in the end that that succeed. I mean, because at some point, um, whether it's quitting a job or moving to a new place or taking out that loan to start that new business or whatever it is, there's risk involved. And if you're not afraid of those risks or if you embrace the I mean, all the, all those risks are going to come with some sort of fears, but if you embrace the risk as the possibility of what could be, um, I think in the end, as long as you're smart about the risk in the end, those are the people that truly succeed and, and and find their, you know, yeah, find that their passions become more than just a, a passion, more than just a dream. They can become a, a reality.
1: Do you think that is what has another, another way of asking that question is like, what's kept you from just saying, okay, I'm just going to go get a job again or something, you know, is, is it the tolerance for risk um,
0: or what? I think it's a couple of things. I think part of it honestly is pride. I think I've been saying for so long that I'm never getting another nine to five, no matter what, that I'm never going back to that lifestyle that I'm doing what I'm doing, that nothing's going to stop me. You say that for long enough and you get to the point where even in the dark times and even in the the, the times of struggle, you're like, I would make a fool out of myself now if I went back. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it becomes a pride thing. Um, which can be good and bad. Um but also I think it um I don't know. Like I, I just I think that you have to you have to put you have to push yourself. Like it, it's it's almost like like I've I've gone through a couple of really tough spells over the last few years. Um like last summer was one, for instance. I, I went through a tough time. I took a few months off from touring. I wasn't playing any shows. I had no design work. I literally made no money for like two or three straight months. And I, I had to, I sold a couple of guitars. I sold a couple of other musical instruments. I, um, I mean, I was on the verge of, of going to Starbucks and saying, Hey, I need a, I need a part-time job. Yeah. And, but there was something in me that said, if you do that, you're giving in somehow. Now, now, I mean, not to say that sometimes drastic situations call for, yeah, you know, yeah. you can't be stupid, <laughs> you know, but um, I just, I don't know. It, it made me push to work harder to get more work because I said, I'm going to spend my days trying to get design work any way possible rather than go and work a part-time job. Yeah. At Starbucks, And so... Um, it forced me to work harder, to look for work, to market myself, to send out emails, to make phone calls. Um, you know, I, I just think that sometimes people, they're ready to, they're ready to do their, their dream job, but they're not ready to work to make that happen. And I yeah. guess what I mean by that is... Um, Whatever it is that that's the goal and the dream, you've got it all figured out and you're all ready to, to put yourself into that. But people aren't ready to get down and do the dirty work of finding the clients to begin with or yeah. doing sales calls or, you know, scrubbing the floors or whatever it is. Um, yeah. You've got to be willing to do the, the dirty work, um, the stuff that's that's the grunt work, you know, that's not – it's not the – it's not the dream, but it yeah. goes along with it because it has to be done. And so, um, Yeah. I guess I don't know if that answers your question, but I No,
1: yeah, definitely. No, I mean I get that for sure. Um I mean that's it's that way with anything, I think. But uh so like r- right now you're on tour, like what 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 is 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 next? Are you are you working on a new album or
0: Yeah. Yeah, um no, it's funny that you talked about Dan And I I guess, what was that Monday you had him on? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But Dan, you know, we toured together last year for a little bit. I I played a couple shows with Jars of Clay and opened for them. And, um, we've just hit it off me and um, a couple of the guys, especially. And, uh, and so right now the plan is I'm finishing out this tour run over the next few weeks. And then I've got a handful of other shows, um, mainly in the South, um, through the first of June and then I'm going to be taking probably six to eight months off from touring um, and working on this new album and I'm going to be doing it at jars studio in Nashville and Matt Odemark, the guitar player from jars is going to be producing the album with me and i um, just super excited to be working with him and, and the guys and be there in Nashville for probably two or three weeks working on the album and, um well that's cool have you you started writing any of that yet yeah 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 it's so i'm kind of doing this album a little different than than i've done every other album pretty much every album i've done i knew exactly what songs i wanted on it and i took them to the producer and we recorded them and that was the album um with this new album i'm actually writing uh about 30 songs and we're going to take those 30 and sort of narrow it down to the 11 or 12 songs that we think really work best together for this project. Yeah. So um, we're going to sort of be choosing from a larger pool of uh, material, as it were. So um, I've got about 15 or 20 of those songs written. I'm going to have some writing left to do over the summer. But the plan is to to start working on the album Um Probably like September. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cool, man. Well, thanks for, thanks for doing this. I mean, we've tried to do it like ten times now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we kept having to reschedule, but I appreciate you uh, taking the time to do it and uh, being on the show,
0: dude. Yeah, man. Thanks for having.
1: Well, that's it. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Nate for coming on the show. And thanks to Harvest for sponsoring the episode. And I just said it, but thank you for listening to this show. I've had a lot of fun doing this show since December of last year. And it's only because of you guys listening to it and enjoying it and and sending me the emails that I'm sticking with it. So... Uh, thank you for listening. And please go and check out uh, Nate's music. I, I think you'll dig it. Um, some of the older stuff uh, you might hear me on. Uh, just check it out. It's in iTunes and, and all over the place. And again, it'll be in the show notes at abclark.com 57. Uh, if you are enjoying this show, then there's a couple ways you can help me out. You can leave me a rating and review in iTunes. That's very helpful. You can support the show financially by going to avclark.com support and kicking in a few bucks here or there. And you can also tell a friend about it. Those are great ways to help. And I'm very appreciative of every one of you who has done that and continues to do that for me. So we've got a couple of great shows next week. Uh, you're not going to want to miss it. So be sure and check back. And until then, thanks for listening. And I'll see you next time. I don't know, I'm sort of just an old guy with a big tongue. That's I'm just a big old tongue old man. That's all that is. Um, that's sort of... How many words am I at?